Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. I am looking into the face of a good friend, uh, somebody that has been a business colleague for quite a few years now. We worked in the same organization together. We did some outside work together over a period of time. And now today she sits as the CEO of Unmuted. Uh, she's a keynote speaker. She has a, a deep heart for uh, the burnout that people are experiencing in life and really helping to empower and motivate um, people all over the world. And even more so, I, I don't want to pigeonhole her when I say this, but even more so helping to empower women as the result of some of the things that she's gone through in her own life. And so I'm excited to have Rachel Druckenmiller on the Excellence Mindset podcast today. So Rachel, welcome. Hey, I'm pretty stoked to be here. Thanks, Ryan. Yay. You're sitting in a hotel room in where now? In Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. So you are how many, uh, are, are we a month out of you now having founded this organization and being out on your own? Yeah, I think like a month and a half of September 1st. Okay. Is the day. So a month and a half and you're already stuck in a hotel room by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Entrepreneur life, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag flying solo. Just kidding. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so um, so I, I obviously I know some of uh, a bit of your story as to why you even got to the point that you did previous to getting out onto your own, and so you had some personal health struggles that really helped dig into maybe even some uh, emotional uh, uh, issues that you had. I hate to say it just like that, but uh, why don't you kind of just give uh, us, the listeners, a little bit of insight into why you started to be passionate about getting up and speaking in front of people, why things like burnout and health, uh, emotional uh, strength, why were those things so important to you and like what led to that? So the, the funny thing is like starting off when I was, when I was a kid, like I was very shy, you know, how, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I was in school, we, they asked us questions about like, what are some adjectives you would use to describe yourself? And mine were always like shy, timid, kind, like just sort of like somewhat neutral words. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was actually like that kid in school who, I don't know if you remember, if you ever did this at your school, but we'd go around the room and people would like re be reading a passage and you'd have to check, okay, my paragraph is paragraph number seven or whatever. And when they get to me and I would look so far ahead to see what I had to read because I just didn't want to screw it up. So the funny thing is I avoided public speaking classes in high school and in college. Uh, I had no interest in doing anything that could potentially embarrass myself. <laughs> Um, and I loved to sing, but I didn't sing in front of people. And mm. so really I kind of came about it almost accidentally. Um, so we did this assessment, which I know you're familiar with the predictive index, um, which looks at behavioral drives and motivations. This was five years ago. Okay. And I was kind of in this, I don't know, uh, like I don't want to say a rut, but I was just in kind of like a tricky spot with, with my work and, you know, where did I want to go? And I took this assessment and it gives you two answers. It looks at like how you think you need to behave essentially in the job you're in. Mm. And then how do you see yourself? 
And so I looked at the results and what came back were on the charts were like basically two fundamentally different people. <laughs> wow. And I looked at that and I was like, wow, I think everyone wants me to just kind of go along to get along and, and, and just kind of follow the rules and do what we ask and don't cause too much noise. And I looked at like who I actually am and I was like, this person's out there. This person wants to lead. This person wants to drive this, you know, this person's extroverted. This person wants variety. And it was in that moment that I realized like I'd been holding back from sharing this thing and sharing this passion and, and sharing these stories about things I'm, I'm, I care about deeply uh, because I felt like I was, uh, you know, kind of trying to be who people expected me to be. And yeah. that was when I started really like intentionally pursuing speaking. So, so that was five years ago, but so as, mm -hmm. as you think back to like when you were a child mm -hmm. and you were going through kind of like those descriptive words of yourself, um, what was it like, why did you think, uh, and, and, and I would say like, I mean, I know you reasonably well, and I think some of those characteristics still come up from time to time, but like, why, why did you feel like those were the best words to describe you when you think of words like shy and introverted and like, why for you were those the words that stood out? So I think part of it was I was very like protected as a kid. Hmm. Um, I, my parents went through like a rough patch in their marriage when I was about five or six and there was like a lot of yelling and we moved out with my mom, my brother and I did into an apartment. And, uh, I think at that time I kind of unconsciously, cause you're five or six, you're not really making many logical decisions about yeah. your life. Um, and I became the golden child. I was like, well, it seems like everything else around me is like not working and it's kind of falling apart. So I'm just going to be the one who has it together. I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to, do as I'm told. Uh, I'm not going to talk back. Uh, I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to have good friends. And I figured out how to do all of that. Mm. Um, and how to get a approval for doing all of that. It's, it's so fascinating. Like, <clears throat> as you say that, I think that uh, so often, like that, that was all with really good intention, right? Like, I mean, there was nothing yeah. malicious in you wanting to uh, create this life and this image and uh, this person. And yet, um, probably right now, as you look back, you start to see that, oh my gosh, like I began creating um, the best version of somebody, but <laughs> I don't know that that was really you, right? Like, I mean, there was definitely characteristics of you and that's probably why you were well accepted and thrived and you did well and you got to the place that you did um, even up to five years ago or even just sitting right now today. But there were so many things that were created as the result of what you thought or heard other people want out of you or out of you know the ideal person. And so all of a sudden you're living in this shell that isn't quite who you were created to be. hundred uh, percent. That's exactly, that's exactly how I felt. And I, I truly, even in the past year have come to realize that through some, you know, soul searching and introspective introspection and quizzes and even like little assessments mm -hmm. that I'm actually an extrovert. Like I had the book, the intro, I'm not kidding about this. There is a book called the introverts advantage. <laughs> <laughs> that I purchased as a high schooler. <laughs> How can I make I, this work for me? Because <laughs> I thought that's 
what I was. And I was like, I definitely get energy from, you know, being by myself. I know that's oversimplifying what introversion is. I mean, there's certainly, you know, a complexity to introversion and extroversion and everything in between. But I was a, I was a very muted version of myself. Um, and it even shows up in like my clothing, which might sound kind of odd, but I, I didn't even have to pick my clothing for 12 years. I wore uniforms for 12 years, which was another way to kind of stay in line. And there's a joke in my high school yearbook that it was like, what if Rachel wore jeans? Because I literally wore khaki pants and pastel shirts everywhere. <laughs> Stop it. I mean, it's not the khaki pants and pastels. It's, there's really a joke that will forever be in your yearbook. <laughs> Do you realize that if you ever decide you want to run for the Supreme Court, somebody's going to find that? <laughs> like, it's so random, you know, like these little things that I remember distinctly. I was at, I was at the store. I was at Under Armour um, a couple of years ago with a friend of mine. And I was I had gotten a pair of shoes. So I was doing some work with them and they were too small. So I was going to just switch out the size. And they didn't have that shoe in that size. So I had a choice. I could pick this shoe that was like, literally like the color, like a, like a very cream color with a slight hint of pink, or I could pick something that was like this like really vibrant purple with teal accents on it. And I remember looking at that and being like, just be safe, Rachel, like get the shoe that matches everything. And I wavered, I wavered on it. I, I switched it out for that shoe, got to my car, my friend left. I went back into the store and switched it out and I got the purple shoes. <laughs> I was like, you can, and it might sound like an insignificant thing, like it's just a shoe. But for me, it was like, I always held back these aspects of myself that were perhaps more visible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I was afraid of being seen, kind of. Mm. You know, I, 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 I love that you qualify the end of that statement with it may seem insignificant, but right there, I think there is, there's so much power in these small victories that we can perceive inside of ourselves and allow even others to see that help us build upon this foundation of confidence, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. I I don't, I haven't heard enough of it to know, but recently Simon Sinek was on Lewis Howe's podcast Mm -hmm. and I heard a very short clip of Simon Sinek pushing back on this idea of self-confidence, saying that self-confidence is not something that is actually from ourself, but it's the result of the environment around us and it's the people around us. Like kids are not taught to be self-confident. People are given either affirmation um, mm. or you know uh, negative feedback and that creates this level of confidence. And so I love that you are helping yourself to kind of build up what you want others to see and then allowing others to then give you that feedback to, to, to build the, the person that you want to become. And hopefully, you know, that, that's somebody that's confident in that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure that that pattern showed up time and time again uh, throughout life. But so you get to this kind of point in your career five years ago, uh, you take the predictive index, you're hearing some other feedback and all of a sudden it's like, all right, it's time for me to, in some sense, come out of my shell. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that, what did that start to look like for you? Like, what were some of the first things that you really felt like, well, gosh, like I've never been able to do, or I've never been able to be or say like, what were some of those things that started to really come to the forefront that you were like, I just got to do. So the craziest thing happened like within two months. So we did this assessment in the fall of 2014 and I had applied for this award through this organization called the Wellness Council of America. And they were doing a contest for the top health promotion professionals in the United States. Mm. And 
the last day the application was due, I was like, okay, whatever. I'll like throw my hat in the ring, like feeling no confidence whatsoever that it was going to go anywhere, honestly. And then I ended up making the top 100. And then I found out I made the top, um, like I guess before I made the top 10, before I found out any of that, I'm a big journaler. I have journals from like elementary school and I had this one journal, it's a blue journal and I remember writing in it, it was January 22nd, 2015. And I wrote something big is about to happen and I'm ready for it. Wow. And two weeks later, two to three weeks later, I was on a Skype or like a Zoom call or something with the head of the Wellness Council of America with Ryan Piccarella and Sarah Rausch and they were like, you won the contest. I started crying. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) unreal, like unreal. So that gave me this national platform that I had never had before. And I got to speak on stage. I got to do like an acceptance speech. So I, (laughs) I like rewrote this thing and I was trying to like memorize it. And uh, it was really coming from the heart, but I didn't want to screw anything up. I didn't want to leave anything out, (laughs) but, but I didn't want to read off my notes because I like, I, I, don't like necessarily if people can avoid it to like read off of notes because it doesn't feel as connecting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked you, I was like, can I do like a little speech or something? Cause I think they were just going to like give me the award. And I put myself out there. I was like, shoot, I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity with yeah. this, you know, 400 of my peers. And so I did it. And then at the end, after I finished, um, Ryan joke, he gave me a hug and he joked and he was like, like something like that was amazing. We should have her come back and speak next year. Mm. at the conference. And so on my flight home, I wrote in the back of another journal, like some goals, just some like vision things. And I said, I think one of the first ones was I'm going to speak at Wakoa next year. And I didn't do anything other than just kept existing, frankly. And then four months later, I got a call from Sarah at Wakoa and she was like, Hey, we were wondering if you wanted to speak at our conference next year. (laughs) It's like, uh, yes, I've been waiting for this call. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a lesson, I, I hope that, I, I try to do this as often as possible as I'm having conversations with people and allowing other people to pick up on things that I think are really crucial to these stages of life that we go through. And it, like, none of this would have happened had you not put your hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. And... I don't care whether you think of yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert, if you are a super loud mouth or you rarely ever speak up, like the fear of failure, of not being accepted, of not being welcomed in, of not being recognized, like that, that everybody goes through mm-hmm. that. And if not, then your biggest problem is that you are a liar, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just the reality. And so... I, I, I love that lesson that we all need to hear. Like there, there is nothing wrong with throwing our hat into the ring for things that we want. And yeah. obviously for you that continued to carry, but gosh, could you imagine what that would have been like had you never done that? I literally, my life would be, I believe that my career would have taken a fundamentally different path. I really do. Cause it opened up so much for me. I mean, truly, I was working, you know, for a small, like 45 person company in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that gave me a platform that I just would not have had otherwise, I don't think. And, and so 
I and I questioned it after I won. I, you know, was hearing stories about the other people that were in the top 10. And I was like, oh man, these, like that guy should have won. And I talked to my husband, who is a man of few words, but when he, when he talks, he usually says things that are very wise. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, why are you trying to find a loophole in your own success? Mm. I was like, All right, I'm done talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But so I think we do that. I mean, absolutely. Right. And, and I think that we do that on both sides. I think this one is way more detrimental. So I think that when we lose out on things, we're always making excuses for reasons why we lose out without Mm -hmm. taking personal responsibility for things that we could have done better. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a whole lot of lessons in that. But I think that, um, that what you said that you experienced there. And obviously your husband was the one to bring that to your attention. But I think that happens so often. It's like, Mm. I got this because, or, oh, I Mm. just got lucky or, and again, like, I know you well enough to know, like, you know, we have a very um, similar view of uh, who who dictates every single bit of our life and what mm-hmm. that looks like. And so there are no accidents, right? There are no yeah. loopholes. There is nothing that <laughs> is that just falls into place. I mean, it is the result of a, a meticulous will that has been laid out in, for, you know, in front of us yeah. and for our lives. And so I just, it, it's beautiful to hear that as you begin to open yourself up to what ultimately you've been created to do, all of a sudden these things start happening, right? I mean, that's just phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was like more than I could have expected, honestly. And it was a catalyst, you know, we all have these, we have these experiences we can look back on and we can be like, that changed things. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna jump around here for a little bit because I have a question. So you, you find this new Rachel, right? Like, or, or the real Rachel, maybe, right? Like all of this <laughs> stuff like peels away and it's like, here I am, right? Like I have fancy green and pink socks on like today. Like I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm a whole new color. And I know like the peacock thing is really big for you. So like you're just blossoming and you're blooming. And yet you are still confined to work inside the domain of what somebody else is going to dictate for you. Like you're working mm. for a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, 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 how did you navigate that? Like you're wanting to explore different things about yourself. You're wanting to be yourself. You're wanting to find new things out. And mm-hmm. yet you have a job and yeah. there's only certain things <laughs> you can do and can't do. And so how did you like, how, how did you navigate through that process? So it was challenging. I mean, one of the things we had an HR consultant come in and walk through the results of our assessment with us. And when she walked through my results, I was like, oh my gosh, you mean like, it's okay that I'm like this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like there's nothing wrong with me. Like there's actually like a benefit to the fact that I'm like this and it's not just here to like rub other people the wrong way because I'm different, you know? Yep. Um, and I start I, that I started to realize and kind of accept that like you're wired fundamentally differently than most people in the insurance industry, Rachel, like you're wired like an entrepreneur because your parents are both entrepreneurs. Like this is in your DNA. Uh-huh. And so what I did is kind of what I've done from the beginning was to act like an entrepreneur where I was essentially trying to create like, and constantly like recreate my, my own role uh-huh. and reinvent myself and um, Richard, who I knew that we both know my, my boss, he gave 
he did give me a lot of leeway. I mean, there were places where they could have been like, you're the wellness person at a benefits consulting firm. You need to talk to people about health risk assessments and biometric screenings. Like <laughs> at which point I would have left. I mean, truly, like if they yeah. had said, you have to do this, I would have been like, bye. Like, <laughs> like, thank you. It's been real, but I can't, I can't like sell my soul and do yeah. that. Yep. And so what I did is I found ways to tie back what I was doing to things that would benefit the company internally and that would benefit our clients, that would give us exposure, that would be beneficial from a marketing standpoint. So I was like, look, you don't, there aren't many people really here that speak. And so one of the things that I can do is I can bring value. So here's why I want to get this training or here's why I want to go to this conference and learn from these people because I'm going to bring it back to you and I'm going to help make our workplace better and I'm going to help make our clients' workplaces better and I'm going to share ideas with all these HR professionals and other business leaders in our network about things that progressive companies are doing to retain talent and engage people and make them feel valued. And so I really spun it as kind of like a dual benefit. Like clearly I want to do this because I care about it, but secondarily, here's how it benefits you. Yeah. Um, Yes. So at the same time, there had to be a little bit of like the bull in the China shop syndrome where like, (laughs) you're wanting to do a whole bunch of stuff and as gracious Uh and kind as your leader was and the people were around you. I mean, you had to create a couple (laughs) of boo-boos in the process, right? Like it it just, it couldn't have been like, like everything just worked out great. So Uh, what, what were some things that like, (laughs) you know, you, you can get as specific as you want or not, but like, what are some things you look back on that if somebody was in the same process, because I think this is happening a lot, right? More than ever. Um, there is definitely an over glorification of the um, role of an entrepreneur or the life mm-hmm. of an entrepreneur um, for good and for bad. Um, but a lot more people are considering like, gosh, I could go do this for myself. Like if I really love X, then I should go do X and forget my company. And so, um, uh, so what are some lessons that you learned that maybe if you had a chance to do them a little bit differently mm-hmm. or wisdom that you could impart onto other people that are in the same scenario? Well, one thing is I wouldn't have pretended like I had it all together for so long Mm. Um, because about three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, I started in kind of like a downward spiral of of burning out. And it was about a year after I got that award. And so the gift of the award was like the platform and the opportunity and the confidence and all these awesome things. But there's like a shadow side of the award that people that were like, man, I wish I was her did not see. At least initially, which was okay. They said that I'm the best. I have to keep being the best. I have to have the best ideas. I have to have all the answers. Um, you know, I have to continue to be in this like idolized place, which was already a lot of pressure on somebody who puts plenty of pressure on myself as it is, <laughs> as you know. Uh, yes. And so that was like the beginning of this of this kind of like implosion, mm-hmm. like basically. And I burned out, I got mono, I lost my voice uh, for like multiple times. I, I, I just was in a bad way. And in the midst of all of that, I didn't tell anyone what was going on. So it looked like, oh gosh, Rachel's like not getting back to clients. Rachel's not being very responsive. Like what's going on? And I like desperately needed help. Like I needed help. I needed direction. I needed discernment. And I was too afraid that I would look weak or that I would look inadequate or that I would look incompetent um, or that they would question what they were paying me or anything like that if I revealed that I could not continue to do all of this alone. Hmm. So, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. And so, 
and then burning out what came on the other side of that I was like, I need help. I need a person. I need, even if it's part-time, I need someone to help me. I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I emailed my boss who was the CFO at the time and our CEO. And I was like, I have mono, like it's called Epstein bar virus, like left unchecked. It can lead to things like lymphomas and like, this is no joke basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm going to need to do no more than two presentations a week. And I'm going to have to be able to come in at like no meetings before 10 AM. Cause I need to sleep like 11 hours a night to recover. And I, I, I started dropping like the facade of I'm, I can do it all together. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I wasn't. Yep. So you reach out for help and it sounded like the, the biggest help that you got in that was, that you had somebody doing a lot of the work that you were just taking on and, and, and could not, you just didn't have the capacity to do, right? Like that just mm-hmm. wasn't the reality of life. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like though in doing that, that you still missed out on an opportunity to personally learn a little bit more about how to manage that whole process? Because it was just like, well, if I just offload some of my work, then I can continue to be the person that I want to be uh, and just not deal with the work. Like, mm-hmm. was there any of that? I mean, I started to learn the things that I'm good at and the things that take me longer to do because they're, you know, what referred to as like energy vampires, right? Like that, mm-hmm. these are the things that suck the life out of people. And I had to start to get honest about like, yes, Rachel, you can try to do it all, but if you try to do a, B and C, you're going to drop the ball in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I, even right out of the gate as an entrepreneur, I've talked to already, I'm a month and a half in, I've already had conversations with virtual assistants. Um, I've had, uh, you know, conversations with people that like do newsletters. I've had conversations with speaking agents because I'm like, I don't want to end up there yeah. again. Like Absolutely. I want to do this much smarter. And the thing you were asking kind of like less like what I was learning. I mean, the main thing I learned was to kind of like tail between my legs to apologize to some people. Hmm. So I remember one day I got into the office and you know, when you sort of like, you know, ask just like these broad questions in your head and you're like, who do I need to talk to? And the name that came up was like, not the first person I wanted to talk to. you're like nope next (laughs) uh, I'll do that one later and so I was like no you ask the question you gotta take the answer and I started having conversations with people in leadership levels and going to them and saying I I started the conversation with I wanted to come to you to apologize because I know that I have been difficult to work with difficult to access um, not as responsive as I need to be um and have put you in tough situations with clients and uh, you know this is what was happening not as an excuse but like because I didn't share this with anyone I had mono and I was really sick and instead of letting anyone know what was going on I hid Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry for how that uh, affected you and how it affected our relationship yeah that's so scary right Mm -hmm. because it's A big part of it is us, right? The fear of like admitting that we did wrong, the the shame, the guilt, all of that that comes with it. But also, um, it's a that's really dangerous because that can fuel the fire on the other side, right? Like mm-hmm. if we have, uh, if that person 
um, does not have the same, like an equal level of forgiveness in them, grace in them, emotional intelligence to, to, to walk through that conversation, then mm -hmm. we're fueling a fire, right? We're, we're giving them um, an opportunity to, 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 to be more angry, to be more frustrated, to mm -hmm. not trust us. Like, I, like that, that, that's, that's wicked to get into. And so I'm sure that along the way, there had to have been times when you're like, oh gosh, like I just like created an animal, right? Because like <laughs> I, I, here I am bearing my soul, hoping that people are going to be gracious and understand. And now in some sense, like I've made it worse. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So two things come to mind for that. One is that I at one point overheard, this was sort of, sort of a telephone thing. So hmm. I don't have the source from, from the source, <laughs> sure. but I have it from a credible place that I started like that summer, I started doing workshops on beating burnout because I was like, I'm figuring this out. Right. And I can yeah. certainly share what I learned along the way, but I started to learn some things and had to make some shifts in my life around sleep and around friendship and around, you know, taking care of myself and saying no to things, which as you know, is still a struggle for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did learn a lot and I started teaching about it. And I remember um, someone said to me, you know, like so-and-so wonders like Rachel's a wellness person. Why is she talking about the fact that she burned out? And I was like, uh, it's exactly why I need to talk about it because the assumption is that the person who has it all together is never going to have this happen to them. And I'm exact, a perfect example of how that's not true. <laughs> yep. Oh man. And, and what is, what, what kills me like so much about that too is, is like the, they totally missed the point, yeah. right? Like the, the whole idea of us being well as a human being and being healthy as a human being is as much, if not more related to the internal, yes. emotional, spiritual issues that we're dealing with and balance that we need there than it is about the external, right? Like we, we, mm -hmm. we always focus and in the uh, healthcare industry, like the big focus is on external, right? Like I see, some, I see a symptom, so I'm going to prescribe something to you. Great. You're fixed. Like nobody mm -hmm. gets to the root cause of the issue. Mm -hmm. And yet the reality is, is there are deep, deep things that you have been going through all the way back to your childhood that all led to this place of like, damn near meltdown. And mm -hmm. I mean, you were physically sick, but that was like the least of your problems, right? There's all these <laughs> other things that are happening inside and we miss that. And I think that mm -hmm. like more organizations need to be focused on this. More mm -hmm. individuals need to be focused on this. I mean, by gosh, like entrepreneurs, like this is going to be one of the greatest challenges that you overcome. I don't care if you think you are the strongest person <laughs> in the world, like you are due for a meltdown. Like it's mm -hmm. just going to happen. And if you aren't, proactively addressing these issues, listening to people like you, Rachel, speak about like what you went through, you're not even going to know what to look out for, right? Like that just happens all yeah. the time. Oh, and it's, you know, it's funny. I, I read a blog post earlier this week about, um, about how to recognize when you're on the brink of burnout, because most people have come to believe that the symptoms, frankly, this is what's creepy. It's, not even creepy. it's, it's scary. It's alarming. It's unsettling is that the primary symptoms of burnout for most people are so normal <laughs> that they wouldn't notice that they're burnout. Like, so things like 
feeling of extreme exhaustion and a lack of energy, um, increased negativity and cynicism about your job, reduced effectiveness at work, like always feeling like you're on edge. Um, I mean, these are symptoms of burnout and, and people I think are going through their days behaving in these ways and experiencing these things. And they're like, this is just what it means to work in today's society. Uh, and it's like, we can't accept that that is true. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there, there is a difference between a healthy level of stress that continues to drive us to, to do the very best work we can, which I think that stress can be really good. Um, but we have taken it far beyond any level that we were ever expected to carry as human beings. Mm -hmm. And then with mm -hmm. that, it's like, and work twice as much and don't worry about what you do outside. And there are some organizations that are trying to do things differently. Um, you know, th this is one thing uh, I was going to talk about this later, but I, I think that this is a, a relevant place to talk about this. So I know that you have been a big fan of uh, the whoop strap for a while now. Um, I've been wearing one myself. Yeah, here I am too. Like looking on video, <laughs> we're like bracelet buddies. Um, and, um, and it's interesting because, so I follow Will Ahmed, the CEO of whoop mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram, on social media and following whoop. And um, so it's still very much athlete centric in terms of the people that are participating in it. That's, I, that's definitely not his intention, but that's, that's what is, uh, that's what's responding right now. What is really interesting to me is, is I, as I think about workplace wellness and people's uh, ability to kind of drive better health outcomes, everybody always goes to things like step counters, right? Like a Fitbit mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like, you know, if I walk my 10,000 steps, I'm healthy. Which by the way, like you can find studies to show that people that actually wear those devices are some of the most unhealthy because it's giving them permission <laughs> to eat like shit all day long. Um, <laughs> but I think that looking into data like what the WHOOP provides around strain, around resting heart rate, heart rate variability, things that are actually showing what our bodies are enduring on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and then helping to guide people to better sleep, uh, to better recovery. Like, man, if I, if I have a really low recovery day today, like I can't push myself because mm -hmm. if I do, I will be sick. Like, mm -hmm. have, you, have you found that, um, that that has become a really good indicator for you of when you're going to end up being sick? hundred percent. Um, so I've had it for a year. I got it almost, it's almost like my whoop anniversary or something. <laughs> yeah. Is that even a thing? <laughs> I don't know. We can make it a thing. There you go. Hashtag whoop anniversary. We're going to try and get sponsored on this podcast right now. I'm going to send it directly to Will. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah. And no, my friend Rex Miller told me about it and, and I, I tried it. And the thing that I love about it is for somebody who is not always the best at internal monitoring, uh, where I'm like, I'm fine. Yep. Like it's an external way for me to kind of check myself. So I'll give you an example of what that looks like. So when I speak and I speak every week, I'm somewhere speaking, um, the next two days, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of activity I have doing a two day comp, you know, leading a two day retreat. Um, but I would notice the thing that surprised me the most is I would notice that after doing like a keynote or something, that my strain score, which is like your, you know, cardiovascular output and changes in, you know, like heart rate and whatnot would be equivalent to me doing an hour spin class mm. in terms of the number. So I had to realize that not that it's, you sound like, oh, I work today, so I don't have to work out. But it was for me, this, this evidence to show that like, your work is stressful and it's not just cognitively demanding, it's emotionally and physically demanding and you have to honor that. Yep. Yep. And 
the sleep thing is really big too for me. So I'll, I'll look at that. I can tell, I mean, I can tell based on like, if I have a number of, you know, they have the stoplight colors, right. For the recovery or for the, um, yeah, for your recovery. And if I've got a week where I'm traveling, for instance, like travel, people don't realize the toll travel takes on you. And I'm like, I'm going to have a red or yellow day almost every time my first night sleeping in a new city. Yep. Yep. And then more often than not, I have to perform the next day. Yep. And so what people don't realize is like all these things that we're doing, like staying up until one o'clock in the morning, watching another episode of Breaking Bad or whatever, or like drinking, like they just had a podcast recently on booze, right? So I don't really drink. I've chosen... I've done enough to my body in terms of the stress that I put on it and like getting mono and, you know, having acid reflux for 10 years, like, um, several years ago that I'm like, I don't need alcohol. Like it doesn't do anything for me. I'm completely comfortable being social with people without it. Uh, and it really does a number on your recovery and on your immune system and on your sleep. And people just are not aware of that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, So we're in the middle of what is notoriously for a lot of people sober October. Mm -hmm. Um, So Joe Rogan, who's somebody that I listen to very, very regularly uh, on his podcast. So they do a sober October every single year. And there's these crazy Mm -hmm. challenges between this group of four guys. So this year they're using whoop and, um, and they're monitoring recovery of all things, which is really funny. Um, (laughs) And then having some challenges along the way. But one thing that Rogan said specifically, so I think he's 52. Um, the guy works really, really hard, like comedy tour. He's regularly practicing uh, his comedy. He works out consistently. And so they were talking about alcohol. Now, this is a guy that smokes a whole lot of weed. And so like, I don't know what that does to your body yet. We'll figure that out. Um, but he talked about alcohol and the negative impact it has. So he said that like he probably over the course of a 12-month period has too much to drink twice in a year. And he hmm. said that's because he has noticed what the, uh, the negative impacts of alcohol have had on his body, even for a day or two, and his ability to get up and deliver well in a comedy show or hmm. to go work out. And so I think these are things, right, whether it's the alcohol thing or not, like this whole idea of having better indicators of the strain that we're putting on our body and allowing our bodies to recover. Because before long, again, we are going to break, we're going to burn out, Mm -hmm. we're going to melt down and we can't will it out of ourselves. Like it's bound Mm -hmm. to happen if we don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I have to say the thing that I've changed the most, like is, is sleep. Like I would get a second wind and be like 1030 at night. Let me start a new blog post. No, (laughs) you don't need to start a new blog post 1030 at night. Like go to bed. Um, and I sleep on average about 45 to 60 minutes longer per night than I used to wow. before I got sick. Wow. Yeah, that's and, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. And like initially, I legit for six months or so, I needed to sleep like nine to 11 hours a night in order to not even feel rested. I wouldn't, I can't even say that I'd wake up feeling rested just to like, like function. My body was mm. so depleted that it needed like months of 11 hour of, <laughs> you know, sleep a night in order to come back. Yeah. And now I need on average about eight, 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 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, you know, I, I become like, I used to be the five hour guy and you know, I can do it. I can do it. And now, I mean, if I don't get a minimum of seven hours a night with at least a day or two of eight plus throughout mm -hmm. the week, I'm wrecked. 
and yeah. like I have to take an extra day off of working out or I have to like take a big break in one of my days like to block out and not go see clients and not do things because if I don't allow my body to calm back down like mm -hmm. it's a disaster yeah. Um, okay. So that section was sponsored by Whoop. Thank you so much. For that. <laughs> Not really if you're listening, but that would be so sick. Um, but, but but I think that that was helpful because though you went through this period of like, okay, so I burnt out and I have this uh, uh, kind of like not reinvention, but like a new season of life for myself. And so you're experiencing all these things, but a few months back, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, you you kind of have this again, right? Like, I mean, not mm -hmm. the quote unquote meltdown mm -hmm. part, but like this this again, like, okay, I'm coming to the end of this season. And so now what's next? And so what were some of the things that were driving you to to consider this ridiculously crazy idea <sighs> that you're going to leave a well-paying job with a strong organization, with a long-term career uh, set out before you and go mm -hmm. off onto your own and have to only eat the things that you feel? Hmm. Well, some of these seeds get planted at really weird times. So four years ago, I mean, so I should start by saying, I look to be inspired like everywhere I go. So if there's gonna be like a, kind of a happenstance interaction with somebody, I, I'm like, is this, is this going to be something? Like I, I like assign meaning to things that initially have absolutely zero meaning at all. <laughs> um, and so I was on a train. I was in Richmond, Virginia. I was doing a presentation for a client. This is probably three and a half years ago. And I was just, I was going to sit in the cafe car so I could spread all my stuff out and do some work. It's like a five hour ride. And I decided instead to sit in the regular, like, like coach or whatever next to this older woman. And so she's sitting there probably in her mid seventies. I pull out my laptop. I'm like clicking away. I've been up since like five o'clock in the morning. I was probably exhausted and running on fumes, but I was like, no time to be wasted, you know, get it done. Again. And again, <laughs> but this is three and a half years ago. This was like right <laughs> before I crashed. Um, and this woman about a half hour into me sitting next to her, she's, I, I wish I could remember everything she said to me, but she started to say things like, like, wow, like you, you work like really hard. And I was like, yes, I do. Um, and she said, she started, I, I told her very little about where I worked or what I did. I just, I was a speaker and, and she, she says to me, she says, um, you've outgrown them. I was like, uh, do I like, do I know you? <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's a very weird thing to say to a stranger. Um, and she started to say other things like that. And I'm sitting there like, this is very surreal and very weird. Like she doesn't know that my parents are entrepreneurs and this has kind of always been in the back of my mind. And uh, so I had that experience. Her name was Barbara. She was from Zebulon, North Carolina. And she was going to visit her son in Philadelphia. And I gave her my card at the time. I've never seen or heard from her since, but that conversation really stuck with me. And then wow. about a week later, I was um, getting a massage and you know, like, what's the connection here? This, this massage therapist has like this crazy way of like making these connections and picking things up. Like he would say like energetically, whatever. So we finished the, after the massage, she said, so a couple of words came to me while I was working on you. Do you want me to share them with you? And I was like, sure. So he says, um, train baby and book. And I was like, I like very rarely am on trains. I had just come back from this train ride. I had been thinking about 
wanting to write a book. And my husband and I were like, especially leading into that stage of burning out, we want to have kids, but hadn't really made the decision yet. So these like, he could have said like tree, dog and scarf. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he said these things. And so for me, it was another like, you know, kind of like sign, I guess. And over the next couple of years, I would have experiences where I'd be speaking somewhere and somebody afterwards would pull me aside and say like, this one woman one time um, pulled me aside after this event I spoke at called the Love Summit. And she was in the back of the room and, and she pulled me aside. She said, I just want you to know, so that was a spiritual experience for me. Hmm. It was a 20 minute talk. And she was like, keep doing this. This is the work that you are meant to be doing. Keep doing this. So like along the way, I had people that affirmed and encouraged and like almost saw things in me before I really believed it. And again, coming from a, a family where my parents are both, you know, entrepreneurs and both work for themselves. And that's been my model for how you do things. I got to the point where really this... There was almost like this, and my dad said this, he's like, look, when you started there, you were a size six foot in a size eight shoe. He's like, you're a size 10 foot in a size eight shoe. Like, and it's not bad. There's like, we, we don't have to assign any, any negativity to that. It's sure. like, it just is, you know, you've changed. Yep. Yep. Um, and you've grown and you've evolved and, and you want to do different things and there's nothing wrong with that. And so for me, it was a series of those things happening. It was a series of things that I thought were going to happen. It was kind of like, I felt like I had my, like my whole body was in the door, except my foot was trailing behind. And then it's like, I felt like my foot got kind of like slammed in the door. And I was like, oh, so I'm not supposed to go through this one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that happened multiple times. And I felt like all the doors had to close. Like I had to get so uncomfortable mm. because when you're comfortable, you don't want to change. Yeah. I had to get like really uncomfortable before I could like realize that the whole <laughs> The door I needed to walk through was open the whole dang time and it was right behind me <laughs> and I had to make the choice to do that and to bet on myself and to believe that this is the thing that I'm called to do and, and to not think that it's, it's not all on me. Like yeah. if it was good luck, Rachel, like yeah. I, yeah. I believe there's this like, like this favor on my life that I, 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 can't necessarily explain, but uh, I feel it. And I know that the work that I'm doing has impacted people and has changed their lives. It's changed their marriages. It's changed their outlook on their careers. It's changed their relationships with their kids. It's changed the, how they take care of themselves and the sleep that they get and how good they feel. Like I've had all these people sell these stories to me and I'm like, and, and then last year uh, around November, I had been working on this idea of like, I want to write a book and I've talked about it, but never done anything. And I swear to you, because my life is just like this crazy, I can't even make this stuff up. I had taken myself on a two-day writing retreat in November just to like go to an Airbnb and put sticky notes all over a bunch of walls and like <laughs> make sense of my story. That's kind of cool, actually. It was really fun. It was really fun. I went out shopping by myself. and <laughs> It freaking scares the hell out of me. Like right before we started recording, I was on Instagram talking about the fact that I am afraid of, of quiet. <laughs> And oh, alone. yeah. Well, it's I funny because do something like that. It's really awesome. It was a very spread out, like it was like a suite almost. It was like my own apartment, basically. So yeah. if you're gonna do it, I get one that's like your own, like domain, basically. Yeah. And so I did that, and I came back, and I was feeling kind of excited, but also like, okay, now what? You know. And then I talked to my friend 
free that Sunday night. And I was like, I want to write this book. I don't know what to do. And I swear to you, the next morning, next morning, it's the sun Monday after Thanksgiving, I have an email in my inbox from a guy I'd met three months earlier who had started to follow my writing on LinkedIn and on my blog and pitched to me to co-write a book with him. Mm. <laughs> Weird. it's it's just idea for me of being open and when you're when you're on the path you're supposed to be on and you're not resisting it like so much of my journey has been me resisting myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know okay so hold that thought I, i i think what's what's helpful here too is that there there's typically again like we see a lot of this in black and white um, in the sense that it's like, gosh, like you were seeing all these things. Why didn't you make a decision a long time ago? <laughs> and it was so clear. And so like, why are you doubting yourself? What, 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 what the, what's the hesitation about? And then the other side, you know, is like, oh my gosh, don't listen to those things. Like, that's crazy. Like that's outlandish. Why would you do something like that? Like all those signs, that's just like random coincidence and don't like, and so I, I think there is this healthy tension that we need to continue to walk in, in life because, mm. you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, uh, enough of my story to know that, I mean, I went from self-employed for five, four and a half years and living in hell at times and other times just an abundance of joy and then went to work for an organization thought that that was the right decision to make it was the right decision to make at the time in my life for my family stability and then it literally took like dodging bullets for me to come to the realization that I needed to go back you know out onto my own but even then like that was a seven-month process to go back out and as I look back on that, it's really easy for me to even catch myself saying at times, like, gosh, I should have never left doing what I was doing because I would have carried mm. on this whole time. And in that, I respond to myself. I talk to myself a lot. And so, my, <laughs> <laughs> so my answer back is like, no, no, no. That was exactly where you needed to be. Yeah. <clears throat> you learned, you grew, mm-hmm. you, um, you built relationships, you were invested mm-hmm. into, you had hard things you had to go through. So like on that side. Then mm-hmm. the other side is, And also you need to be aware of the fact that you may have held off doing certain things because you didn't want to hear it or you didn't want to get out of that comfort zone. And so Mm -hmm. I think we do need to live in, because I'm very black and white too, I think we need to find ways to live in the gray more often. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes a lot of wisdom from people around us, helping us to navigate those little voices in our head to tell us when we're telling the truth and when we're lying. (laughs) Yeah, you saying that makes me think of something my dad said to me, which, because I went to him multiple times to be like, I'm frustrated about this or I'm frustrated. And he's like, honey, do you want to do what you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it, the way you want to? And I was like, yes. And he goes, that person doesn't work for somebody else. (laughs) 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 And, And he was just like, you'll know. He's like, you'll know. And the biggest regret you're going to have is a lot of people say like, you didn't do it sooner, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I really don't, I don't regret that I didn't do it sooner. I feel like to your point, I learned a ton while I was there. Um, you know, I have still have very good relationships with a lot of the people that I worked with. Um, I had yesterday, uh, um, someone who was a, a client there had reached out to me and said, Oh, so-and-so suggested I reach out to you for leadership training. And I was like, you know, like, so I, I left on really good terms and I felt, um, like celebrated. And I felt like people were happy for me and excited for me. And I did invest a ton of energy and time and love and passion into that, into that work. And it all needed to happen in order for me to get to this point. 
you know, and I wouldn't want to undo any of it. And I just got to the point, the final straw for me was I was going through a, um, a, a speaking training that I had started in, um, it's funny, I met this guy at a conference. <laughs> They're not serendipitous, right? Like, this is just how my life works. <laughs> I met this guy at a conference. I, he, I knew he was a speaker. I said, hey, is there any book or anything you'd recommend that, you know, I'm a speaker too, and I've been doing it for several years, but I want to level up. And he's like, oh, do you know this guy, Michael Port? And, you know, his wife, Amy Port, they wrote a book called Steal the Show. and you should check out this book. So I ordered the book that as I'm standing there mm. and I got it and then come to find out they were doing like a live event in Philadelphia in October. And I went up to that and on a whim, like in a hope and a prayer, I made a significant investment to do a speaking training of my own money, like mm. no company money. I called my husband. I was like, this is going to sound absolutely bonkers, but I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do right now. Mm. And can, will we be okay? And he was like, do it. Like, like I trust, I trust you do it. And I was like, oh, like hyperventilating. <laughs> and I did it. And it's funny because the day the program started was the day I got that email about writing the book. And wow. so it's like, if you're willing to take big chances, <laughs> these kind of things can happen. Like people typically don't get to these like really incredible places because they like like try these little, oh, let me, let me just put myself out there just a tiny bit. And then just a tiny bit. And just like, you gotta like go big. Like you gotta be a bit bold. You don't have to be obnoxious. This is not about being obnoxious and about being yeah. irreverent or anything like that. But like, you've got to be willing to do some things that most people are not willing to do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So fast forward all the way to September mm-hmm. and you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you are your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so what did that feel like? Cause I, you've, you've had many of thoughts for years and years and years. You've heard it from <clears throat> many different people, from family, from friends, support, encouragement. I'm sure some negativity along the way, but the reality is you woke up on a Monday morning and it was you. Mm. And so what did that feel like? Well, a couple things. One, on my first day working for myself, I decided to do a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does my boss want to do today? She wants to get her hair and makeup done and do a three-hour photo shoot for her website. <laughs> Where the hell was that budget coming from? <laughs> Pre-seed <saved> money? <laughs> my, my mother's a financial planner, so I have that advantage oh, of, uh, of, you know, like, when I was thinking in the spring about it, I was doing the math and I was like looking at what I had on the books for the end of the year. And I was like, we'll be okay. Like, we'll be okay through the end of the year. I could do this if nothing else comes in, if literally yeah. no other business comes in. And of course, more business has come in since then, yeah. um, which is I'm super grateful for. But I looked at it, it was a calculated risk. You know, sure. I wasn't like, it wasn't like we had, we had saved up some money, like intentionally, you know, we were going about this in a thoughtful way. But I was originally going to, finish up in um, December and I was going to go out on my own January 1st. And the difficult thing is once you know something and are convicted by it in your soul, it's really hard to pretend like you're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was doing a video shoot in June and one of the lines in my video was it's time to give ourselves permission to expand and be seen and heard for all that we are. It's time to stop silencing ourselves. It's time to unmute our voices and our lives. And 
I was like, Rachel, you will not believe yourself saying those words if you haven't done this. Mm. So the Friday before I did that recording is when I told them I was leaving. Wow. And I had a piece, like, I can't explain it. I mean, I know, you know, we can kind of explain it from a spiritual perspective, but there's a piece that I've had that is sort of like, I'm not resisting this anymore. I'm not in the state of tension that I was always in about like, I want to do this thing, but I know I should be doing this thing. You know, I want to do right by this person. I want to be loyal. I want to be dependable. I want to do what people want me to do. I want to meet expectations. I don't want to disappoint people. But I was more concerned with disappointing other people than I was disappointing myself. Yeah. Okay. So you know, what's funny is I don't actually, I don't think that I've said this to you. So uh, I was on vacation uh, in Mm. Nashville in March of this year. Mm. And uh, one of the mornings we woke up, uh, you and I jumped on a phone call Mm. and you were prepping for some very, very lengthy presentation. (laughs) And I had this like inkling inside of myself that like, I think, I, I think this is going to be it soon. <laughs> and like, there was just something about like, not dissatisfaction, not in like, you know, anything necessarily about your current state, but, but more about kind of like some of the things that you were saying about just the like forward and, and who mm. you really wanted to be and how you wanted to communicate that. And just thinking to myself, like, she can't do this like this. Like it's gotta be something else. And so then when I think I first heard from you sometime either in June or July that you were that, you know, that you had communicated that it was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. (laughs) Which, which I think is so awesome. Right. Like I think the worst thing that, that would happen to us is when we make big decisions like this, that, you know, the people that are closest to us and not that I'm the closest to you, but like people that are close to us Mm -hmm. that they look, that they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do something (laughs) like that? Right. It's like, "Uh Oh, what did I do? So I think that it's just that affirmation again of people that are placed into our lives that help to either verbally or just even inside of themselves affirm this idea that no, they're doing the right thing, right? Like this is what you are truly called to do. And it's very clear. I mean, what's been so cool for me is as you, you know, you talk about photo shoot day one, as your branding changed uh, on Instagram is where I saw it first. Um, and as I saw the joy on your face and there's a difference in when, uh, we stage a smile and when we just can't (laughs) hold back from just laughing and smiling. And there was a specific picture. I think it's actually the, maybe it's your profile picture, but one of the ones Mm -hmm. that you had showed right or shown right away. Um, it was like, oh my gosh, like everything in life was all to this point for her. And like the joy that comes out of you, like nothing can be bad anymore, right? Like the, the whole world could blow up around you. And in a sense, it's like, yeah, but I'm doing what I love. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. I mean, like. <laughs> I try. Yeah. yeah. I try. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, <laughs> but I did. I felt that way. I felt like, like, you know, Rachel, like it's your, the photo shoot. She had me like literally on the couch. I got a microphone cause my brand is unmuted. Right. So I'm like, all right, we got to have a microphone. I'm a singer. You know, I'm like jumping off the couch. I'm like singing to her with like background music, just playing through my stereo system. I met this, <laughs> I met this chick. I hung out there one time. Like she's probably like, what is going on? And the coolest thing I have to say, um, 
there was another thing that happened this year that was kind of along these lines of a knowing. And I was on this leadership retreat again with this group, the Wellness Council of America. There were about a dozen or so of us that were down in Florida at this leadership retreat. And at the retreat, we had this talking stick that we passed around. So, you know, it's your turn to talk. You're the talking stick. If it wasn't, you shut your mouth and you honored the person who was talking. Yeah. And uh, at the very end of the, of, of the two days, um, they were kind of, everyone was reflecting and going around and sharing their experiences and what they learned and all of that. And Sarah, who's the, um, uh, the COO at, at Wokoa, um, she started to say like, well, there's one, there's someone that we want to give the talking stick to and, you know, said a bunch of things. And she said, and, and we want to give this to Rachel because she's found her voice. Hmm. And in that moment, it's like the the little girl that just wanted people to see her for more than like being smart was like fully showing up. Mm-hmm. And it's like who I was was what was mattering to people. Like they were celebrating who I am. They were celebrating my voice. They were celebrating the, like, they weren't celebrating like, you got this award and you got this and you got an A plus on this and you got it. Like they were celebrating me as a human being. And the fact that she used the word voice and that has been something that literally from the time I was little that I didn't feel comfortable using my own voice, that I didn't let myself share the things I wrote or share the songs that I sang or I... show up vibrantly in the purple shoes and (laughs) peacock print yoga pants that I really wanted to be wearing. Like that, that person is like that. There's not two versions of me anymore. Mm. That (sighs) as, as you were telling that story, even before you said the little girl, like there's these really cool moments as we're as we're being told stories where like just this visual comes to play and it's mm-hmm. so crazy to me because if this was a movie <clears throat> like we would have gone all the way back to just mm-hmm. this little girl right and just what you described like i think about everybody we we want to be something great Right, we mm-hmm. all do, and I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with our desire to 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 be great, to to excel, to achieve, uh, to strive for for uh, for uh, for the right things and the right titles and the right places and the right roles. I just think that so often, and it, it's just as much our own fault as it is of the fault of the culture around us. Is we are striving for things that we were never created to be. And that was you, right? Like, again, like not intentionally, but for the longest time you were, you were boxed into something that God didn't create you to be. And it's, it's wild and so beautiful to think that all these years later, like, and still so much more to grow, but all these years later, you are becoming the person that you were created for so many years ago. I mean, that is just like unbelievable to me thanks it feels it feels good it feels like free it feels like i don't think people realize sometimes when we when we just say i'm just gonna stick it out a little bit longer i'm just gonna 
you know, I mean, it's really not all that bad. Like, I've got this, this part's really good. And, um, like I, I remember my dad, when he asked me, this was probably eight years ago. Again, I was going through another dip, maybe 10 years ago when the economy was tanking. Hmm. And, um, he said, what do you really like about your job? And I said, (laughs) I said, well, uh, it's pretty flexible. And like, I get a lot of time off. And he said, no, what do you like about your job? Not like not being there. (laughs) Oh, "Oh, touche. Um, And, and so I had to be honest, like sometimes people are in positions doing things where they basically accepted that like a subpar life. And when I say that, I don't mean it's not going to make that like an entitled elite perspective, but that like a life that is less than what they were intended to live is sort of like what they've settled for and, and have kind of given up hope that anything greater than that is possible. Um, and are just like beat down. Like there's just a lot of people that are just like so defeated and, and they're going through their days, like feeling like a victim and, and not believing that they have some say over whether or not their life is working. Um, and the hard thing about taking ownership, the hard thing about acknowledging that is that you have to take ownership. So you can either choose to acknowledge that and be like, oh, well, woe is me. Life sucks. It's hard. You don't understand. I can't get out of this job. Like in some cases, there are, there are situations where for a season of time, that may be true. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) But to give up your whole life doing something that sucks your soul, no one should do that. Yep. No, I can't agree more. I cannot agree more. So as you, as you look forward, um, Mm -hmm. what do you, what are you hopeful for? I'm hopeful that one, that there is a movement that is underway to humanize work and that this is not just some trendy lingo that's going around that companies really recognize we have to honor and support people's mental and emotional health, Hmm. that we can't like drive them into the ground and pretend like we're in the industrial revolution anymore because we're not that people don't have to make the choice between do I want to be a parent or do I want to have a job Mm. or do I want to be a good friend or do I want to not let my boss down? Like that people won't have to be making these choices so often that, that organizations will come to realize that the way we've been doing things isn't working. And that if we give people more flexibility and more grace and more support and are more transparent and are more willing to be honest, that like, that, my hotel room is ringing. <laughs> Hold on a second. Maybe it's somebody <laughs> like important. Maybe it's somebody. This is a first. We're going to conference call in on the podcast. I'm like, not... who is calling me? <laughs> Actually, it's probably a good time because my battery's at 10%. And I just, I'm like, why are you calling me? We're just going to okay. let that ring for a second. Sorry. Uh-huh. Hold on. Let me, it's going to be a little pause. I'm going to plug you in because my phone is about to die. And I don't want that to happen. Hold on. Don't even worry about it. Okay. You hear me? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I feel like, like I'm hopeful that all of these things around humanizing work are, are going to be more likely to happen because there's this groundswell of people that are saying, I'm not going to tolerate being miserable and being burned out and being unappreciated and being undervalued and feeling like I'm failing in every area of my life. Like I'm mm. not going to do it anymore. <laughs> 
And yeah. so I'm hopeful that there will be people, uh, people like us, people like a lot of people that we know and admire and are connected to that are going to continue to be the, the change agents and the, the, the thought leaders that are, that are going out there and saying, it's time for something different and it's time for something better. And it's time to, as organizations, to figure out what can we do to bring out the best in people, mm -hmm. not just suck them dry. And so I'm excited because I see that happening more and more. And I see things happening like around women's leadership where like, mm -hmm. like as you mentioned, one of the places where I feel really connected to, like I went to an all girls high school um, growing up and I struggled with relationships with women. And there's a reason I lived with five dudes my senior year of college. Cause I was like, less work. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just easier than dealing with a bunch of women. Um, and I know so many women, men do it too, but so many women silence themselves and they don't ask for what they need and for what they want in their lives. And they end up living a life somebody expects of them instead of a life that they actually want to live. And I feel called to speak into that space yeah. and to speak into that space from the perspective of marriage too. Like my husband and I are starting a couple's ministry with an older couple at our church because we learned so much about how to, I mean, even right now, like oh, he gave me this card, like a happy boss's day card. Um, Cause that's today. And then he gives me these cards when I travel, puts cards in my luggage, like my beautiful peacock, like <laughs> we're romantic saps and I love it, but love that it. people are just so checked out in their marriages too. And that it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. So yeah. I'm excited about all those things. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> you, you said a part of it. So one of my favorite quotes from Gandhi is be the change that you want to see in the world. And I often tell people that if you want more out of the life you're living, be more. Uh, mm. and, and I think that, you know, those things so go hand in hand, you know, we do need to take personal responsibility. We do need to be given a platform. We do need to be, you know, we need to, to see leaders, um, open up opportunities for people to be more of themselves. But I think that there is this growing movement of people that truly are demonstrating, um, that we can lean into the things that we want with wisdom, with insight, um, a lot of care and grace, but I think that there is just such an opportunity brewing. And I love to see that you, that you're doing that. I mean, obviously I just have a, 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 a huge heart for you and I'm super thankful that, you know, we have been connected for as long as we have and on our own independent journeys and sharing in some of those war stories, some similar <laughs> at times along the way. Um, but I think it's just so exciting because, you know, this, this is you being you and you're influencing thousands and thousands of people as the result of that. And so I'm stoked for you. I just, I cannot wait to see, like, it's silly to say, but I'm sure you would know too. It's like, this is just the beginning, right? Like mm -hmm. there's so much more in store as you continue to discover more of your own voice and then help other people to do the same thing. So thank you for being yeah. you for being here, doing what you're doing. I just, like I said, I have so much love for you and I'm just super thankful for you. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for all the conversations we, we had along the way when you kind of were one of those little like pokers on my side that was like, hi, here's the thing you're ignoring. Um, hi, like that. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, go away. But I know I would keep reaching out because I'm like, tell me more of the things that I'm ignoring. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, once in a while we need those. Um, so where can people get connected to you? What's the best, so, the best ways? A couple things. So the place I'm most active is on LinkedIn. So Rachel Druckenmiller, and it's not Druckenmiller. I tell people, I'm like, I'm not wasted. Um, so it's Druck, <laughs> Druckenmiller. And then uh, my website is unmutedlife.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Unmuted Life. Awesome. So I'll make sure to put links to each of those things in the show notes. Um, again, thank you. I just, like I said, just appreciate the time today. I think it's going to be super beneficial for a lot of people that I know that are listening. Make sure that you reach out and connect with Rachel. Uh, you will do yourself <clears throat> a great service and just learning more, being inspired in the best of ways to be the very best version of yourself. So Rachel, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. As always, feedback's appreciated. So if you have any questions, concerns, comments uh, on future guests, on the conversation that we had today, if you have input or if you've got a sponsorship from Whoop available for us... <laughs> Make sure to do that. Until next time, this is a great time to say if you want more out of the life you are living, then just be more. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.